0: Welcome to Race to Deliver podcast with Vladimir Subček. I am excited to welcome you to this week's episode. I believe God's going to use this podcast to enrich your spiritual walk with Him. Thank you so much, each and every one of you who is sharing this podcast with your friends, posting it on social media, and also leaving the review. Let's dive into this week's episode. I want to talk to you about sacrifice. I want to talk to you especially about financial sacrifice. Most of you, probably have heard my story of what happened um, in my life, how a sacrifice really changed my life. Um, We're saved by the sacrifice of Jesus, 100%. But following Jesus Christ will require sacrifices and these sacrifices have a very powerful effect on our future because when they are born out of obedience not just to try to manipulate God or get something out of God but out of obedience they can really shift things and I'm going to talk about that today of the benefits and what they can do in your life. The message today or my teaching today is going to deal mainly with the financial sacrifice. Something that a lot of people are not necessarily very knowledgeable in as well as not very experienced in and so We're on our 21 day of prayer and fasting and I really wanted to do the last Thursday of the fast concerning sacrifice. I remember about 12 years ago when the Lord started to deal with my heart for the first time concerning sacrifice. We were on a 21 day fast, just like this one. I didn't make it all the way till 21 days. Um, I got stuck around the day, I think 17th. And before that, the Lord started dealing with my heart concerning sacrifice concerning giving money away in a very radical and extravagant way toward uh give money to the poor to the homeless shelters and to other things at that time 12 years ago or 13 years ago I was not married I was waiting for my wife you know forgot to send me my wife I actually met Lana already but I broke up with her the next day I had this problem with my mind where I could not make a decision concerning um a girl and so I've had twice a broken relationship before that I've attempted a relationship with one more person I got rejected ah oh, bummer and so um so I met Lana I met Lana on Facebook and uh I liked her we went out to do a date and then I broke up with her the next day and so I've realized during the fast that something is going on with my mind It's almost like some kind of a stronghold or a curse on my mind. And so of course I was praying for God to change that, for God to deliver me. And the Lord started to go after something that was extremely painful and I was extremely defensive about and that was my finances. I was saving money every single month for years so I can meet the girl of my dreams and then pay for the wedding and then pretty much live happily ever after. Um, I worked at the church and so you know my my salary was uh, I think was maybe like very little above minimum and so I lived with my parents so I, I was saving every penny I was very frugal to the point I was borderline greedy and we're fasting I'm losing a lot of weight I'm drawing closer to God and I'm like I'm praying a lot and I'm thinking I'm like man this is awesome and God is like going after my heart And I said, Lord leave me alone with this issue of money because you know I'm fasting already, I'm praying. Why are you tackling the issue of finances? And I felt like God wanted to go full circle with me and what He was doing is He was going after something that my heart was attached to. Now mind you, I never thought that I was attached to money because I didn't have a lot. I thought people who were attached to money are people who are rich. Because they have a lot of that. And I thought the reason why I am not attached to money is because I don't have a lot. I am faithful with my tithes. I am not doing anything immoral. I am not doing anything ungodly. I'm not ripping anybody off. And so I am good. I did not know how much hold money had on my heart until the Lord asked me to sacrificially give it to somebody else. Not all of it, but a very... Painful, large, extravagant part of it. Up to this point, I've never done it like that. I always gave my 10%, honored God with my best, and left it alone. And I just saved the rest of the money. To be able to give a large portion, it honestly freaked me out. I battled with it for weeks, not for weeks, for days, about a week while fasting. And then finally I made a decision. I remember praying, Lord, who should I give it to? Who should I bless? Who should I help? And God put on my heart a few people that needed it. God put on my heart as well a few people that um, were poor. Some uh, homeless shelters as well and a few other things. And then when I blessed it, surprisingly, after the fast, and this is my testimony, okay? You can take it, leave it. I have no personal agenda in sharing this message except something that I've seen change my life. Surprisingly, right after that, my mind started to shift i became more decisive i actually you know reached out to lana again we started to date and i married um 7 months later not only we had enough finances to provide for the to cover the wedding and everything but we received a lot of cash in gifts on the wedding something i did not expect that amount to come i think like 3 times more than what i have given previously i'm not saying the sacrifice is a is a trick to get your money back. No, no, no but you can't outgive God and I've seen God's faithfulness in that. Years later, some about six years or, f- or five years later, I experienced another crazy miracle where the Lord challenged me to start living a life of extravagant generosity and it started first with emptying my account completely. It brought a huge problem into my finances and then I started to experience breakthrough in our ministry and then honestly, huge breakthrough came to my financial life. I always lived blessed in my finances because I believe I tithe and God blesses that. I don't steal, God blesses that. I don't, you know, cut corners and God blesses that. But to have a breakthrough is different than to have a blessing. Come on somebody, drop that in the chat. Breakthrough is different than a blessing. Blessing, blessing doesn't add sorrow with it, but breakthrough takes you to another level in the area of walk with God, in the area of your ministry and also in the area of your finances. And after that I started to experience breakthrough. My ministry started to to take off. The youth ministry where I was a youth pastor for over 10 years that we could not grow past 50, 60. We started to experience growth. We started to break barriers. And I really believe it was because of that obedience to do a sacrifice. Ever since then, me and my wife made a decision to live that kind of a life. And so we started to give above our tithe every single month. We made a decision to give a car a year and we've been doing that for almost five or six years. It's not every single year, but it's almost every single year. And we made a decision that when January comes in, that I will make a decision to give a large, I won't mention the, the amount right now, large sum of money and pray who I need to give that to. Uh, poor people, people in need. And we just you know went through that last week with my wife where we took um, a large portion uh, for us. And instead of you know saving and spending it, prayerfully considering and the Lord gave us, gave us names, the Lord gave us ministries and the Lord gave us also people who to bless and who to help uh, during this time. So the things that I'm going to share with you guys, I know it's not going to be popular. I also know it's probably, you know, might not, some of you might misunderstand that. But I want you to hear my heart behind that. Because I truly believe if you want to walk on fire for God, the fuel for your fire is sacrifice. Come on, drop that in the chat. And if you are just tuning in, drop that in the chat. The fuel for your fire is sacrifice. I want you to understand that those of you who are maybe listening right now on the audio podcast and you're uh, watching or listening to that later, you know, if you're listening to us, we welcome you as well. The fuel for fire is sacrifice. This is not about a manipulation scheme. This is not about get rich quickly. This is not even about money. This is about your altar having a sacrifice a lot of people what they don't have on their altar is a sacrifice and sometimes they wonder why is there no fire on my altar because if you don't have a fuel you will not have fire if you don't have a sacrifice you will not have flame every man of God not only they build an altar to God that's one thing they also had a sacrifice on the altar so let me ask you a question as you're preparing during this time of fasting for those of you who are joining us in the fast do you have a sacrifice on your altar have you ever you know fasting is already a sacrifice hundred percent for some of you giving ten percent is a sacrifice for some of us you know waking up early in the morning to spend time with God is a sacrifice but today I'm going to na- narrow it down to one particular sacrifice that I believe every Christian is going to be bringing and is required to bring to god amen if you are with me and if you are already receiving this drop number one in the chat if you're just tuning in we welcome you now let's kind of start from the beginning i'm going to share with you three main segments what is the sacrifice um from the old testament we're going to look at the sacrifices from the new testament and then we're going to look at it what does the financial sacrifice mean and what does it do for our life. What is a sacrifice? The offering up of sacrifices is to be regarded as a divine institution. In the Bible it did not originate with man but God Himself appointed it as a mode in which acceptable worship is to be offered by a guilty man. The language and the idea of sacrifice pervade the whole Bible. From the beginning, we see the Lord clothe Adam and Eve with the skins of animals, which, is all in probability, had been offered in sacrifice. Genesis chapter three, verse twenty-one. Abel offered a sacrifice of the firstlings of his flock. Genesis chapter four, verse four. Noah, after the flood, offered a burnt offering. Genesis eight twenty. The sacrifice of Isaac by Abraham. Genesis twenty-two verses one through thirteen. The only instance, of course, of a human sacrifice being commended by God, but it was as a test of faith and it was actually not offered. In the burnt offerings of Job, Job chapter 1 verse 5, Job 42 verse 8, the offering was accompanied by repentance and prayer. If we go a little bit further, we see the sacrifices of Mosaic period were commended with the offering of the Passover in Exodus chapter 24. The law of Moses prescribed five kinds of sacrifices. The burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. The idea, the word sacrifice, the Hebrew word for sacrifice means to slaughter for an offering. Sacrifices either could be grain offerings, so like you're bringing some fruits and vegetables and other stuff, or they could be animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices under the law served one primary primarily function was to cover or atone for someone's sin as it says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. The sin of an individual was symbolically transferred to an animal to be sacrificed thereby providing a substitutionary atonement. The sacrifices had to be repeated each year because they only partially dealt with our sins with people since Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 ultimately all the sacrifices in the old testament point forward to and are types of the final and all-sufficient sacrifice made by Jesus Christ but if you can take all the sac- all the sacrifices of the old testament they're broken into The five sacrifices are broken into two categories. The thank you offerings or sacrifices, grain offering and fellowship offering. And the second type is I'm sorry offerings, burnt offering, sin offering and guilt offering. Pretty much Israel was offering thank you God. So those like grain offering, and those are still something that we can offer to God, our first fruits. And then I'm sorry offering. And those were the ones where the blood was spilled. But for us we don't offer those anymore because the blood of Jesus Christ has paid that price for us and if you are glad or if your sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus come on drop number one in the chat if you are happy and thankful to Jesus for his blood on the cross drop number one in the chat if you are glad for the sacrifice that we don't have to offer any more bulls any more goats any more sheep we don't bring them on Sunday morning but we do bring God a gratitude and an offering of thanksgiving come on somebody now offerings that offerings that israel offered they were not to manipulate god for personal gain rather they were represented they represented a thankful response for god's blessings affected by the forgiveness of sins restored fellowship with god and the neighbor both the poor and the wealthy received complete forgiveness by means of their obedient observance of the sacrificial rites, regardless of the monetary value of their offerings. So we see that both poor and the rich had to offer those sacrifices and God accepted them and God pardoned their sin through offering these sacrifices. Now, we don't sacrifice things to get our sins forgiven. Jesus' sacrifice was enough. Now, there are still four sacrifices. Somebody dropped it in the chat four, four sacrifices that are still required in the New Testament. The first sacrifice is the Jesus's sacrifice and that is in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 it says, For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Christianity is not the sacrifice we make but the sacrifice we trust. Come on somebody, drop that in the chat. Christianity is not the sacrifice we make, it's the sacrifice we trust. Because through Jesus, we are made perfect. And guess what He did on the cross? He sacrificed His life. So that's the first sacrifice we as New Testament believers still uphold or offer to God. Now this sacrifice we don't offer to God, we actually um, receive from God. But the second one is the sacrifice of praise. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Glory unto glory to his name. So, when we worship God, it's a sacrifice. So, a lot of people, you know, they complain and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not comfortable with this whole idea of sacrifice. It doesn't start with finances. It starts with you receiving the sacrifice of Jesus. You understanding, I really think if you had a revelation of what Jesus gave you, of how much He has forgiven you, that He gave His life for you, then doing anything for the Lord will come easier. And the first thing God wants you to do, the first thing God wants you to sacrifice is praise. Why is praise a sacrifice? because sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Come on somebody, have you ever felt that you came to church and you did not feel like opening your mouth and praising God? Have you ever went to your secret place and you didn't feel like praising God? And when it's a sacrifice, a lot of people say, well, I'm only going to praise God when I feel like it so that it comes from my heart. And if I don't feel like it, that means it's not genuine. Well, otherwise, How is it a sacrifice if you will always feel it? Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. Now, if praise is a sacrifice for you all the time, you got a problem. But you will live your Christian life where praising God, where lifting up your hands, where participating in a corporate worship, private worship will cost you something and it's okay. You will not feel good, and it's okay. David says, I will not offer nothing to God that costs me nothing. Meaning, I will only offer to God something that costs me something. So learn to offer God a sacrifice of praise. If you don't learn to offer sacrifice of praise, then what I'm going to share with you next is honestly not going to work. The sacrifice that's financial, the sacrifice of the body, you will not offer that if you're not first learning to offer God Sacrifice of praise, but all of our sacrifices they are response to the sacrifice we have received and we trust Him. The third kind of sacrifice that still remains for Christians is the sacrifice of our bodies. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's interesting because. God is saying, I want you to offer your body as a sacrifice, but He says a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody dropped it in the chat. A living sacrifice. God is not saying, I want you to kill yourself. Because for so many of us, for so many of us, it's way easier to die for Christ than it is To live for Christ. Jesus doesn't want you to die for Him. Even though some of us will actually die for Jesus. But He doesn't want you to die for Him. He wants you to live for Him. And that is harder. That's why the Bible says we are a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that your life is a sacrifice to God. You live your life on the altar. It's not just one time. It's a life lived on the altar. But in there it says uh, Romans um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says that your body is a living sacrifice. It's interesting. Your body is a living sacrifice. And I think that subjecting your body, and next week I'm going to talk about conquering your flesh. We're going to talk about uh, the conquest, the war within. Subjecting your flesh, subjecting your body to wake up early, discipline it with proper eating, disciplining it with waking up on time, disciplining it by fasting. One of the greatest ways you can offer your body as a sacrifice is by abstaining from food for the reason of spiritual pursuit after God. So Jesus offered His life as a sacrifice, that sacrifice saves us. Then the sacrifices that change us are the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of the body, and the third kind of sacrifice is the sacrifice of finances. So the sacrifice of praise The sacrifice of the body and the sacrifice of finances. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Come on, somebody. Somebody drop that in the chat. Well pleased. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he's not just, he's okay. He's like, yeah. God is not just like, man, why are you wasting your money? Why are you, you know, doing that? No, God is happy. God is well pleased with such sacrifices. You know, sometimes people are waiting for God to tell them to sacrifice finances. Oh, God is not telling me to sacrifice Vlad. This is just for you. Well, do you know that it pleases God to sacrifice? You know, there are things that I can do to please my wife that she doesn't have to tell me to do okay and because i know her and because i love her i can out of my maturity make a decision knowing it will please her and do it and she will be very happy the same thing applies to financial sacrifice sometimes people ask me do you always get led by the lord to sacrifice not always sometimes I lead myself. Why would you want to do that? Because God is well pleased when I sacrifice. People are like, what if it's the devil that's giving you the ideas to sacrifice? Are you kidding me? Since when did the devil became interested in the well-being of other people? Since when did the devil became interested in me becoming more like God by becoming generous? Since when did the devil became a giver? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Giving generosity is not part of his resume. The devil will never give you an idea to be generous. Because it pleases God so well, I don't need to be led, bullied, manipulated, pushed, or pressured to be generous. I don't need to be led to be sacrificial. I can choose that on my own. Why? Because I know it pleases Him. And because I want to be more like Him. Amen. If you want to be more like Jesus, drop that number one in the chat. If you're just tuning in, we welcome you. If you are re-watching this, we welcome you as well. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast, continue to listen. Let's dive now to part two. What is sacrificial giving? So sacrificial giving... I like what Augustine of Hippo, the great North African bishop, he defined a sacrifice as something, the surrender of something of value for the sake of something else. Oh, this is good. Worthy repeating. Drop that in the chat. The surrender of something of value for the sake of something else. Augustine of Hippo, which was the North African bishop the surrender of something of value for for the sake of something else. You know, for a lot of us, as I mentioned already, like I know I would die for Christ if I were put in front of a firing squad and commended to renounce Jesus or die. I know I would say, shoot me. That would be easy. But the hard part is actually living for Christ, not dying for Him. One huge heroic act would be easier than a lifetime of daily little decisions. Especially when it comes to a timeline of discovering that the promises of God were worth the no we said to ourselves and to the world each day. Saying no to certain privileges, certain purchases, certain things that I want to say are worth Jesus. I like what Ben Fitzgerald, my friend what time said, he's, he said this, he says, Jesus is worthy of everything you're afraid of losing. Jesus, I'm going to say that again, somebody need to drop that in the chat. And if you're driving right now and you're listening to this, you're going to have to re-listen to this later. Jesus is worthy of everything you're afraid of losing. So what is a sacrificial giving? Number one, sacrificial giving is giving beyond our means. Ouch, somebody dropped that ouch in the chat right now sacrificial giving is giving beyond our means now our generation lives beyond our means but the bible teaches us to practice giving above or beyond our means now some of you will say Vlad that is reckless that is not wise Vlad that is not that is where do you get that in the bible this is this is not good, but listen to me very carefully. The church in Macedonia, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 2 through 5 says, In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of great joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of their libera- liber- liberality. For I bear witness, Paul says, that according to their ability and yes, listen to this, beyond their ability They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, Paul says, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. That's crazy. So these people, Paul says, are poor. They're giving beyond their ability and they're imploring they're saying, Paul, please take our gift. Please take our sacrifice. And Paul is like, man, it's so good to hear that. But what's better is that they gave themselves to the Lord first. And then they gave themselves to us. And they gave themselves to the work of the Lord. So the Bible does talk about giving beyond your ability, beyond your means. Now, Of course, you can't do that every single month. You probably can't do that every single, maybe year. But how many of you have ever recently given beyond your ability? And for many of us, it's like, no, that's stupid. Okay. Did you know that average American spends 110% of their income? 110%. So it's okay to spend beyond your ability, beyond your income, but it's somehow foolish, stupid, wrong to give like that. Meaning to give radically, extravagantly, generously, crazy. I'm not saying to put it on a credit card. I'm not saying to go into a debt, But I'm saying that we should not only exercise this thing where our generation lives beyond their ability to sustain themselves, but we should also give beyond our ability. Church in Corinth, Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia, that they did that. There's many other believers who did that. There's a story I heard, uh, it's in the 18th century, John Wesley, you know from 1703 to 1791 he was really the towering figure in the evangelical awakening in England his tireless teaching preaching and writing and organizing um, and w- being everywhere and activism actually without parallel in his day this guy preached so many times it was crazy he started churches he had like a powerful movement John Wesley his book sales alone earned him around 10 million dollars today in his lifetime. Yet he died broke. penniless. Not because he wasted all of his money. Not because he made poor decisions but because he has given nearly all of his resources to the poor, Christian causes and to the ministry of others. His time, his talent and treasures were radically laid on the altar of God's building kingdom. His famous sermon, the use of money, he said, Gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Come on somebody, drop that in the chat. Gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Your goal is not to die poor, uh, to, to die rich, your goal is to die poor. Naked you came in and naked you get out and you can take nothing with you to heaven. And so it's good to die like John Wesley with nothing. Because all of your wealth and all of your blessings were passed on. And while it, lose, while it, while it leaves your hand, it actually never leaves your life. Come on somebody, whatever you give to the Lord leaves your hand but it does not leave your life drop that in the chat whatever you whatever you give to the lord leaves your hand but it never leaves your life it actually goes into your eternal account number two sacrifice is not how much you give but it's how much you have left now that's good sacrifice is not what you give it's what you have left so god doesn't measure sacrifice by the amount that i give God measures sacrifice but what I have left because there are people that give for example you know a large amount but they have a lot left and then there's those who give little for example David gave about equivalent to today David gave 21 billion dollars for the temple project Solomon offered one thousand bulls on the day of his inauguration or on the day when he received the vision from God. Mary she gave years wages and poured it on Jesus but the widow she only gave two pennies and the widow's giving was not balanced budgeted it wasn't affordable it was actually reckless because it's not about your amount that you give it's about what you have left this widow's giving was totally not wise jesus should have stopped her and said you shouldn't be doing that the temple is already corrupt they have enough money why are you giving your last your everything but jesus complimented her sacrificial giving and said she has given more wow so jesus measures my sacrifice jesus measures my giving What does he measure it? What does he compare it to? And he says, she has given more than anybody else. So he compares it to other people, turns out. But how does he compare? And he says, because everyone gives out of the abundance she gave out of her poverty. What does that mean? Sacrificial giving is the giving that's done not by what you give, but it's what you have left. It's measured by what you have left, not by what you give. Now I'm going to share with you another story and it happened in the 20th century, something closer home, especially those of you who live in the United States. In the 20th century R.J. Luterno, Luterno, I think that's how you pronounce his name. uh, He was uh, born in in 1888 to uh, 1969. He committed his life to Jesus at the revival in 1904. He was 16 years of age. He went to become a successful businessman and the father of actually a modern, earth-moving industry. His wealth increased drastically but he committed to living on 10% of his income and gave 90% of his personal income and corporate profits to Kingdom Works. So not only his personal but also his business income he gave to Kingdom Work. Not only did he found the university that's still in Texas today but he also gave generously to mission work in Africa, South America and radical generosity that helped to resource the 20th century expansion of Christianity in Global South. And when people asked him about his commitment of giving he answered and this is is mind-blowing. Listen to me very right now very carefully. He said this, He said, the question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. Whoa, that's a mic drop right there. And those of you on YouTube, you know that we have a mic drop emoji you can drop. Drop that right now. So I'm going to repeat that again. The question is not how much I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. In another interview, he said this, because they asked him, they're like, you seem to live on 10% yet you're still prosperous. Yes, yet you're still, you're doing good. Your business is doing good. And he said, I shove money out and God shoves it back. He said, the only issue is that God has a bigger shovel. So he's like, anytime I shove money out to God, God's kingdom, God shoves money back in and God happens to have a bigger shovel. Come on somebody, drop the bigger shovel in the chat right now because you cannot outgive God. If you can get something out of this stream today and that is this, God is not a greedy God, God is a generous God. He doesn't want your money, He wants you. He wants to advance His kingdom through you and He wants you to store eternal treasures in heaven. But He's not out to get something, squeeze it. You know, maybe some preacher or some pastor or maybe some uh, scam artist or... uh, con artists, you know took money scammed you like people do that online today and you you you, and maybe you're listening to me and you kind of like man what's Vlad's you know motive behind talking about this I really want to present you a biblical truth that God is a good God that God is a generous God and that when you are generous you're more like him amen number three so the third definition of what financial sacrifice is number three is sacrifice is giving our first and the best, not our leftovers. Giving our first and the best, not the leftovers. I like to say it like this, it's giving what you love, it's not giving what you have leftovers. It's not giving you leftovers, it's giving what you love. It's interesting, when God came to Abraham, He did not ask Abraham to give him Ishmael. He asked for Isaac. You know, getting rid of Ishmael could have been, you know, helpful. Um, Ishmael kind of was his mistake. Ishmael caused conflict between him and Sarah. But God did not ask for the leftovers. God asked for the things that Abraham loved. Because when God gave us, He gave us His Son. He didn't give us leftovers. So He didn't give us something that He didn't treasure or value or love. And a lot of people, they give God leftovers. I call it tipping. A lot of people tip God. They don't tithe. And we can argue whether tithing is New Testament, Scriptural and all of this stuff but that's not this message is for. I have another teaching about that. But when you give God leftovers, you're not really seeking God first. You're not honoring God with first. It's not actually honoring to Him. You may say, well God does not command us to give. Yeah, but you're a child of god and you're expected to honor god proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 says honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine there was a pastor he was giving a sermon about charity and he said in our world today some people have so much while others have so little we must give of ourselves and our worldly goods to help the less fortunate And he said to Tommy, who was sitting there, he says, If you had $10,000, wouldn't you give half of it to the poor? And Tommy said, I would, pastor. So the pastor continued and said, Tommy, if you would have a great wealth of jewelry, would you sell it and give it to the poor? And Tommy replied, Indeed, I would, pastor. And then the pastor said, Tommy, if you had two pigs, (laughs) wouldn't you give one of them to your neighbor the next door? And Tommy said, no, pastor. The pastor said, why not, my son? And to which Tommy replied, now, pastor, you know I only have two pigs. (laughs) Come on, somebody, drop that L-O-L. So as long as it's talking about $10,000, as long as it's talking about jewelry, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give half of it. And the moment it came to two pigs, which what he actually had, he's like, no, 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 I won't be doing that sacrifice is giving what you love because he loved those pigs okay sacrifice is not giving what is left over what you don't need what you don't love what doesn't hurt that's what sacrifice again we don't give sacrifices every day when it comes to giving but the lord wants to lead us the reason why i'm sharing this teaching is that one day the lord will use this teaching to stretch you in the area of your giving and Every person that I have encountered who have walked in this path with God, they were never the same in their spiritual life and in their financial life. Why? Why is the financial sacrifice so important? Why does it matter? Let me give you in the conclusion three reasons why financial sacrifice is important. What are the benefits of financial sacrifice? The reason number one, write this down. Financial sacrifice marks your spiritual life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If the sacrifice, see how do I know if it's a sacrifice? If it doesn't pinch you, it's not going to move you. It's not convenient, it's very painful. Jesus says, the only competition for your heart is money, not the devil. So, sacrifice is important. The reason why is because it can help you to rid of the mammon, materialism, and all of those things that are attached with it. Luke 16, 13, Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. See, God is not against us having money, but He's against money having us. God is not out to get anything except your heart. But if you want your spiritual life to be marked by God, there is no way around these disciplines. Reading of the word, prayer, fasting, financial sacrifice. There's no way around it. The opposite of that, my friend, is selfishness and greed. Your bank statement is a theological document and it tells you who and what you worship. Your worship is shallow if it's not reflected in what you spend your time and where you spend your treasures. Like I said in the beginning, fire falls on a sacrifice. Spiritual life gets ignited by financial sacrifice. Come on, drop that in the chat. Fire falls and sacrifice. Some of you, you don't have fire of God in your life. But you have an altar. You're like, but I have an altar Vlad. Why I don't have fire? Let me ask you a question. Is there a sacrifice on the altar? You can't go up without giving up. You have to leave. You have to cleave, you have to leave and then you can cleave. You have to leave your mother's womb and then you can come into the earth. You have to leave the earth and then you can come into heaven. There are things you have to forsake. Abraham gave Isaac, Hannah gave up a miracle child, Moses gave up a palace, Peter gave up his business. You can't go up without giving up. You can't have fire without fuel and the fuel is your sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. Who do you represent, Jesus or Adam? These are pretty much two kinds of ways that people live. The Adam and the Christ. Adam was in the garden, Christ was in the garden. Adam, he ate of the fruit. And Jesus, he was in the garden. He pretty much denied himself. Adam, He reached to the tree, Jesus stretched his hand on the tree. Adam said, My will be done. Jesus said, Thy will be done. Adam's selfish act resulted in death, resulted in sickness, resulted in poverty, resulted in violence. Pretty much every evil thing you see that you don't like about this earth and we blame God for, so many people do, has its root in Adam's selfishness. It's what I want. It's about me. It's mine. Me, myself and I. Like late uh, Billy Graham said, You know, the middle letter of word sin is I. The middle letter of word pride is I. The middle letter of word Lucifer is I. When I is in the center, it's about me, it's mine. Why do people don't give? It's because it's their money. It's not God's money. They don't see it as God's money and they themselves as God's stewards. They see it as I worked hard, this is mine, and I'm going to do what I want with it. And they forget the verse where the bible says that it is God who gives you power to get wealth it's not you you're not paying for air you're not paying for the sun and you're not paying for nothing that sustains you it is God who sustains you and so spiritual life is marked by radical generosity sacrifice will help you to obey God's voice. In Genesis twenty-two eighteen, 18, the Bible says, God said, in your seed, He speaks to, to Abraham when Abraham offered his son. He didn't kill him, but God stopped it because it was a test of faith. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So God is telling Abraham, because you obeyed my voice to sacrifice, I'm going to bless you. The voice from God could have been ignored. The voice to sacrifice, this this voice from God, Abraham could have said, that can't be God. I mean, God wouldn't ask me to sacrifice my child. He gave me the child. I've been waiting for this child. I've been believing for this child. That's definitely not God. Get behind me Satan. He could have said that. But God says, because you have obeyed my voice. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had thoughts to radically give and you ignored that? And you said, nah, that's my head, that's that's me, I'm just hearing voices. You know how sacrifice, how the voice of God to sacrifice starts? It starts with the prompting. Then you get excited. And then fear kicks in. Then logic comes in. Then comes the doubt. And if you overcome all of that, then comes faith. And then comes breakthrough. Let me say that again. You get the prompting, you get pumped, then fear comes in. And then logic kicks in. And then comes the doubt. And then comes faith. And then comes breakthrough. I cannot tell you how many times I went through that process where Oh, it was just my own voice. But honestly, sometimes God's voice sounds like your own voice. The voice to give. You know, I remember a year ago when I was planning to sell my car, you know, and it was just the thought. Just give it. Give it to one of, your, uh, one of your disciples. But I was like, man, that's a nice car. You can make some money on it. And the car that I was planning to buy, I'm like, I need to put it for down payment and You know, but I got excited and then my logic kicks in. Well, you know, and then doubt. But I just kind of ignored that and I just made a decision. Talked to my wife and and faith came in. And then comes breakthrough. Not sometimes for me but breakthrough for somebody else. When you are sacrificially giving, you are marking your spiritual life. A lot of us are used to trusting in God. What about God trusting us? Luke sixteen eleven says, "Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches?" Do you know that when you begin to be faithful with the finances by being obedient to God, stewarding well as well. You know that God is going to entrust you? When you trust God, there's a blessing. When God trusts you, there's a breakthrough. Come on somebody, drop that in the chat. When you trust God, there's a blessing. But when God trusts you, there's going to be a breakthrough. How do I know that? Because Jesus said Himself, He said He will commit true riches to you. He will give you true riches. Winston Churchill said we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. Your life will be marked by your extravagant generosity. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said the measure of a life after all it's not its duration but its donation. Dixie Frowley said this, he said we're most like God when we are giving. Randy Alcorn said Giving jump starts our relationship with God. It opens our fists so we can receive what God has for us. So many people are afraid of extravagant, radical, crazy kind of giving because they think they're going to die. They think they're not going to make it. They think they will outgive God. They think that God will leave them hanging. It was a story of an eight-year-old boy who had a younger sister who was dying of leukemia. And he was told that without blood transfusion she will die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably comparable with hers and if so, that if he gives it to her she will live. So they asked him if he could go for a test. The guy's eight years old. He said, sure. And so they did and they tested him and they found it's a good match and then they asked if he would give his sister a pint of blood so a pint of blood is pretty much about 10 percent of blood which is completely safe to give for those of you who ever donated blood you know that 10 is is a good amount that you can give and actually it's it's good for you and so this boy said if i have to give a pint of blood i'll, I'll think about it he's eight years old and so the next day he went to his parents and he said that he'll be willing to donate the blood and so they took him to the hospital and they put a you know like all kinds of stuff they pretty much put him next next to his sister and both of them were hooked up to IVs and the nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the boy which was then put in the girl's IV and the boy lay on his bed in silence while the blood dripped into his sister until the doctor came back and was asking him how he was doing and the boy opened his eyes and said how soon until I start to die In other words, I'm going to die. And honestly, (laughs) 10% of blood, you're not going to die. It's actually, nothing wrong is going to happen. But he just saved somebody else's life. I wonder how many times we feel like that. When we give 10%, when we give extravagantly, we feel like, Oh, that's it. I'm going to die. That's it. I will be poor. That's it. I will never have enough. We don't understand the miracles our finances will create. And we don't understand that God is not going to leave us. God is not going to forsake us. God is going to bring supernatural blessings into our life. The reason number two why we should sacrifice financially. So the first one I said is our spiritual life will be marked. The second one is sacrifice stores your treasures where they cannot be stolen. Come on somebody drop that in the chat. Sacrifice stores your treasures where they cannot be stolen. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 and 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So God is saying not just about charity, not just about tithing, but treasures. Treasures is something that hurts. Treasures is something that... Uh, kind of pinches you when you give and Jesus says don't store them here. He's not saying don't have a saving account or don't have a retirement fund. He says don't be obsessively hoarding everything here because you're not going to live here forever. Store them in there. I like what one missionary Jim Elliott said. He said, no fool is the man who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love that. See, your bank statement is your theological document. It will tell you what you believe. Do you really believe in eternity? Do you really believe that you're going to spend that all your life, all your future forever? Do you really believe that whatever you give here goes in there and then in heaven, you're going to be able to live off of that? Do you really believe that your net worth does not determine your self-worth? Do you really trust in God who richly provides or do you trust in riches? Are you really storing more into your IEA, individual eternity account? Or are you storing more into your IRA, individual retirement account? Let me ask you a question, are you storing into your eternal account? Is your eternal savings account full or empty? Is your heart drawn more toward heaven or is it more filled with earth? Where is more money right now, your money, on earth or in heaven? Where is more talents and time on earth or is it in heaven? When the rich person died, somebody said, he left home. When the poor person died, who lived generous life and the preacher on his funeral said, he went home. So let me ask you a question. When you're going to die, are you going to leave home or are you going to go home? You may say, well of course I'm going to go home, heaven is my home. But is heaven your treasure place? I like what uh, John Maxwell said in his book, The 11 Essential Changes Every Leader Must Embrace. He talks about a guy named James who is his friend. He says, James and a few of his friends actually went out on a boat to fish for lobsters. They had a successful gathering of a massive catch of 125 lobsters. When When he gets home, James, you know he had a freezer full of lobsters and he had more than enough to last him for a whole year. That day after James got home his friend Jeff dropped off by the house and James offered him a lobster. Jeff was delighted. This interaction prompted James to ask himself, "Who else do I know who might want a lobster? So James got so excited of the idea of giving his friends lobsters that by the end of the week he had given away 122 lobsters, leaving himself only three. He had such a great time, you know, giving that he didn't even mind that his own supply had dwindled enough just for a meal, not for a year. A few days later, James went into his garage and was assaulted by a terrible stench. He followed his nose to the freezer and opened it and, uh, Yeah, he found out that turns out the electricity had gone out and his three lobsters had spoiled. As he cleaned up the mess, he felt sorry for himself. But then he remembered all the lobsters he had given away and it gave him a great joy. If he hadn't shared his bounty with others, all of it would have been wasted. You know, that's exactly how many of us will feel when we die. All of our lobsters are going to get spoiled. All of our lobsters are going to get rotten. Only the things we give away will last. The things we keep, my friend, when we die, they're going to be lost. So the sacrifice marks my spiritual life. The sacrifice stores in eternity what cannot be stolen by the devil, by economy, by the government and by nobody else. And the last one, and this is going to be a little bit more practical part that I believe will encourage a lot of you guys, including myself and I'm a living testimony of this. And that is the sacrifice opens a new season of supernatural supply. Come on, this is good. This is mouthful. The sacrifice opens up a new season of supernatural supply. The sacrifice, drop that in the chat opens a new season of supernatural supply. So not only the sacrifice marks me spiritually which is the real reason why we do it. Not only sacrifice marks me eternally but the sacrifice marks me financially. Now again this is not a get quick money scheme. This is not so hundred dollars and get two thousand a day later. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that it opens your life to a season of supernatural supply. For example, if you look at Israel, when they exited Egypt, they exited as slaves. They received a lot of money from Egyptians. But when they entered Canaan, they had to give their first city. They had to pretty much give Jericho to God. They had to put God first and their fears last and then they saw a huge provision of God. They conquered the Canaan, God stopped the manna and then God let him keep the rest of it and they finally received milk and honey that they've been promised and dreamed of. We see same thing with Abraham is that Abraham who offers his son and meets God of Jehovah Jireh who provides. Most people misquote that verse or they take that verse out of context to mean that you know if you Um, If you're struggling, God will provide. But may I remind you that Abraham met Jehovah Jireh giving God a sacrifice, not giving God a petition with his needs. And God provided him a sacrifice, not money to pay his bills. Abraham was very wealthy, but God provided for sacrifice, not for Abraham's bills. Jehovah Jireh, is a provider of sacrifice. That means that He provided the sacrifice of Jesus. Sometimes He'll put on your heart to give something you don't have and He will provide that. So He's not just a provider for my needs, yes, but He's also a provider for my sacrifice. That means that some things God provided you were meant to go on the altar. The Bible says He gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. He does both. He gives us, provides for our needs and He also provides us with seeds. He provides us with blessings and He also provides us with bread or with things that we should give. Abraham was provided by God both the blessing and he was provided by God something to offer on the sacrifice, as a sacrifice on the altar. The problem with many of us and myself included is that we don't know the difference between the seed that God gives for us to sow and the bread that God gives for us to eat. And we think the provider, Jesus, God, everything is for our consumption. We don't realize there are poor people that are depending on the seeds that God has given me and you. We don't realize is there are ministries God is waiting for us to support and help to launch, but we're just eating everything. Yeah, that's what we do. And then we wonder, why is there no breakthrough in our life? It's because we're not supposed to eat the seed. We're supposed to sow the seed and eat the bread. God the provider gives you both the bread to eat and the seed to sow. God blesses you and then He gives you overflow. The blessing is for you. The overflow is for others. For example, if I have a cup and I don't have one here right now. If I have a cup and I fill that cup with water, you know, it's good for the cup. The moment that it overflows, you know, it begins to cover everything around the cup. Now, but this is what happens with all of us, honestly, and I'm guilty of this as well. When God begins to give us overflow, we increase our level of living instead of increasing our level of giving. In other words, again, to the cup, cup is overflowing and what we do is instead of let it pour and bless other people bless ministries bless the causes that honestly could really advance the kingdom of god we get a bigger cup we're like that rich fool we we build bigger uh, barns we get bigger houses we get bigger cars we get bigger bigger nicer newer and i'm not against nicer newer and and all of this stuff but if it's not first If our first is not the kingdom of God, if our first is not marked with generosity and radical giving, then we are abusing the seed. God gives seed and the bread. My friend, eat the bread, meaning what God blesses you, enjoy. God richly blesses us and we should enjoy it. But God also gives us the seeds, meaning He gives us sometimes things that are supposed to be sown. They're supposed to help the poor. They're supposed to help somebody who's maybe going on a mission trip. They're supposed to help missions, orphanages. They're supposed to help the orphans. They're supposed to help ministries. They're supposed to help advance the kingdom of God. And we, in our greed, we eat everything. And then we complain why there is no supernatural supply. It's because the supply God has given did not go to its intended purpose. And God says, well, I can't give you more why because you're a bottleneck i can't bless you with more why because you're gonna eat it yourself and how much really do you need the world is hungry i want you to become a channel where blessings flow through you not a red dead sea where the blessings are stuck in you and everything dies in you i want you to be a river not a reservoir i want you to have things where you become a blessing to other people. And I can then bring more blessing to you because I know more people will be blessed. You know, I love one thing about generous giving. I didn't understand it at first. When God blesses me financially and gives me more than enough and I become a blessing to someone else. You know, I love seeing the tears in their eyes. It's amazing. I love people crying sometimes, you know, on my shoulder and saying, you have no idea what this means. But you know what really touches me the most? Is when people say something that, like this, this is an answer to my prayer. Or they would say things like, you are my miracle. Now, of course, I'm not a miracle. But they would say something like, this is a miracle from God. And I'm standing there and I said, oh my God. Lord there were times you gave me miracles now you're using me to be a miracle an answer to somebody's prayer an act of my obedience giving a car or giving you know finances support this family for a few months because they can't pay for the rent or they can't pay for their house or like uh we're doing that with my wife as you know we took our our sacrifice for this year that we feel and we prayed. I think for three or four different um, people that we're giving it to and, and that we become a miracle. We're not just getting a miracle, we are a miracle to someone else and that's crazy to know that somebody prayed and the answer to their prayer came through you. You had the answer. What would have happened if I would have taken those things and ate it? I pretty much ate somebody else's answer. That, that scares me. Sometimes people say, why would God allow all of these people to be poor and die out of hunger? God doesn't allow that. God gives seeds to every person. The problem is that we eat the seeds that's supposed to feed the poor people. We do that. We are the blame, not God. And so I don't want to live like that. I want to live my life being a blessing when God tells me to be a blessing. And when you do that, you open, God sees you, oh wow, look, I blessed him and he blessed so many other things, let me give him more. Why? Because I can trust him. And God begins to enlarge. God's shovel, like I mentioned, is way bigger than yours. God provided manna in the wilderness, milk and honey was in Canaan. We see that widow also experienced oil that never ran out, flour that never ran out, the boy that gave his lunch, did not just experience multiplication, you know, but he experienced huge multiplication. So much was left over because of his giving. There's a supernatural supply. Somebody dropped that in the chat. Supernatural supply that God wants to give when we begin to offer our life as a blessing to other people. This is not about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about some kind of a gimmick giving gimmick. I am talking about being a blessing to people. I am talking about being blessed so you can be a blessing. What I'm talking about ultimately you only need one car to drive, one house to live in and one pair of shoes. Okay, maybe you need a few pairs of shoes. But we don't need much to be happy. Somebody calculated if you live in the United States, you really need about 70,000 annual income is where the happiness of people caps. After you start getting more than 70,000 a year, your happiness does not increase. So your happiness is really limited to just about $70,000 a year. Now for those of you outside of the United States, this may seem like a gazillion of money in the United States. It's not necessarily super a lot but it's, 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 it's a good amount. But seventy k, and you're happy. After that, anything you get, your happiness stays at the same level. You won't get happy if you get more. But you start getting more happy when you give more. Come on, did you catch that? After 70k, you stop getting more happy by getting more. But you start getting more happy by giving more. Um, Elizabeth Elliot shares a story in her book on the path of loneliness. She says, there's an old story of a king who went to the village streets and pretty much he was greeting his subjects. There was a beggar sitting on the roadside there and the king, you know, Uh, the king came to him and this beggar was asking him for for alms for money and the king sure you know said i will give you handsomely but instead the king asked the beggar to give him something first and so um taken back the beggar was like uh i don't have anything so but he had some rice in his bowl so he took three grains of rice from his bowl and dropped them into the king's hand And at the end of the day, the beggar poured out pretty much. And so what happened is this, is that the king then gave him three grains of gold instead of his three grains from that bowl. And of course, at the end of the day, the beggar was like, man, I wish I would have given him all of my grains instead of three grains. See, that's exactly what happens when we come to God. Sometimes we give God this these three grains but God says hey okay if you give me three grains I can bless you with three three golden uh, golden pieces you know I can give you three grains of pure gold I can if you if you open yourself up more I can give you more and so when we give I feel like we're opening ourselves before God and we determine by what measure that blessing by what measure we can be a blessing to this world that's what I want to say by what measure we can be a blessing and if you say hey God I'm willing to be a blessing in this way God's like okay I'll bless you more you know a few years ago actually it's been two years ago when I made a decision instead of making more money out of my books and I'm going to give them away you know and that was my measure I'm going to say Lord I want to be a blessing God started opening doors where people started to bless our ministry and we were able to do it more When instead of selling our courses, I started to give them away. You know, I said, Lord, I want to enlarge what I give to other people. I want to enlarge and give that for free. And God's like, okay, if you can enlarge it, I'm going to supply more. I'm going to give you my gold for your grain. Come on, somebody. God wants to give you gold for your grain. God wants to give you supernatural supply for your sacrificial giving. Not so that you can brag about it and say, look how God blessed me but so that you can continue to be a blessing. And Frank said that no one has ever become poor by giving. You must understand, my friends, is that God is not out to take. God wants to bless you. He wants to supply your needs according to His riches and His glory. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to bless you. He wants to make you a blessing because it is God's will. It is God's desire in Jesus' name. Let me come back everything recap everything right now giving in the Old Testament was in two ways there was this grain and then there was animal sacrifices in the New Testament we see four sacrifices Jesus's sacrifice the sacrifice of praise the sacrifice of our body and the sacrifice of our generosity the reason why what is sacrifice sacrifice is not giving our leftovers it's giving what matters what hurts what's what's huge to us Sacrifice is not what we give, it's what we have left. Sacrifice is, is giving of something that is valuable. Why we do that? Because it marks us spiritually. Why we do that? Because it marks us eternity in our eternity. And why we do that? Because honestly, it marks us in our finances. It prepares us to be a blessing and God opens doors upon our life so that He can get through us more to other people. God has no problem, listen to me very carefully and I'm going to pray. God has no problem getting stuff to you, absolutely. God's problem is getting stuff through us. God has no problem blessing me, God has no problem blessing you. If you think that you live in a country where, oh, there's no way God can bless me, you're wrong. Uh, God is not an American God. He's the God over the whole planet. God knows what you need and God knows how to get to you. But I want to ask you, are you willing today to pray what Hannah prayed? If you bless me, I will give it to you. Are you willing today to meet Jehovah Jireh? Lord, if you give this to me, I will be a blessing. Are you willing to make a decision to be generous with the little that you have? Generosity has nothing to do with prosperity generosity has to do with passion it has nothing to do with percentages and it has nothing to do with your prosperity or lack of it it has to do with your passion Zacchaeus gave 50 percent the widow gave all of it rich young guy Jesus told him to give everything and he says uh, not really Mary poured out years worth of income on Jesus's feet and Judas made money off of Jesus and committed suicide afterwards being demon-possessed. Be a person today who is going to be generous. If you have nothing to be generous with, be generous with your praise, be generous with your smile, be generous with your kind words, be generous with your gifts, be generous with your talents. Give to people that you'd, you cannot get anything back from. Don't give so you can shine, so you can be seen. Give so that God can be glorified. Financially speaking, I want to encourage you to tithe the first 10% of your income every single month as a practice. It's not a law, you don't have to, you get to. As a way to honor God, give it to your local church. If you don't have a local church and this is the ministry where you're being uh, blessed, you you can tithe into our ministry. But it should go to your local church. Begin to honor the house of God and God's house with the first. Don't do it at the end of the month after all the bills are paid for because honestly that shows you're not trusting God. The idea of giving first to God is because you're trusting God. The second thing I want to encourage you is when God blesses you with more, begin to partner with ministries or with causes that are dear to God's heart. And these causes could be supporting the orphans, these causes could be supporting the needy, these causes could be something like even uh, ministries, like our ministry. Causes that give stuff for free, that serve other people, that really spread the message of God. And thirdly, I want to encourage you. As the Spirit leads, once a year, once in two years, practice an extravagant, generous, radical, painful, unconvenient, pretty crazy gift or giving. It could be given to poor, whatever God leads it. God can give it, God can put it on your heart to give it to a person that's in need. He can put it on your heart to give it to the ministry. He can put it on your heart to give uh, to a minister, whatever. It's it's something that the Lord leads you. It's not something that uh, is instructed by somebody like me. And I promise you, you will begin to see your life change. I'm not saying you're going to get all that money back or more. I'm not making those promises, but I am promising you will be changed. Why? Because your giving is like a rubber band. Once it's stretched, um, it becomes useful. (laughs) Your life becomes different. You become more eternally focused, you become more spiritually grounded. And most importantly as well, you also become financially free from the idol and the grip of materialism and you experience God's supernatural supply. For those of you that are fasting with us for 21 day fast, we got three days left and I want you to pray that God will take your finances this year to another level. I want to pray with you that God will bring supernatural supply. Not just a blessing where you have just enough. And some of you, you're aiming so little and it's kind of selfish. You don't think you're selfish because you're trying to maybe not be greedy by asking God for a lot, but don't be afraid to ask God for a lot. Pray like Jabez, God that you will bless me, that you will enlarge my territory, that your hand will be upon me and that I will not cause harm. That I will be a blessing, that I I will be protected from evil and God bless that prayer. Pray that prayer today. God wants to prosper you. God wants to give you more than enough. Why? Because there is a lot of people, there's a lot of needs in this world. Because the kingdom of God needs to move forward and you and I are the answer and help to move that forward with our finances. And therefore God wants to give stuff through you. It's not just about you. God, some, some of you, God wants you to have a business instead of just working for somebody else. For some of you, God wants you to be faithful and working for somebody else and He wants to increase you financially. And I believe that this will be the year God wants to open other sources of passive income in your life. God will send some people I believe into your life who will just bless you for no reason. And nothing that you did, it will be just because God will tell them to bless you. Why? Because God wants to surprise you. And there will be moments God will lead you to bless somebody else just like that. And to surprise them. Why? Because God is good. And that is how God operates. He showers His goodness all around the world through obedient children like you and I. Let's be obedient this year. Let's walk in extravagant, radical generosity to see the kingdom of God move forward. The true mark of a Christian is not his prosperity, it's his generosity. You can be poor and be generous and you can be rich and be greedy. To be like Christ is not to be rich or poor, to be like Christ, is to be sacrificially generous. The reason why Jesus did not push tithing a lot is because He modeled, taught and lived radical generosity. He told His followers, sell what you have, give it to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. And guess what His followers did? When Jesus ascended to heaven, apostles sold what they had and gave it to the poor and they had treasure in heaven. They died brutal death, but they lived a radical life. I want to be like that. Their life was not dear to them. I don't want my life to be dearer to me than Jesus's life was to him. Is your life too dear for you? Are you clinging to your finances? Are you in love with mammon? Have you become addicted to greed? There's only one way for you to be delivered and that is not through shaking, baking. And that is not through out, 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 out. There is only one way for deliverance from this monster. There is a competition to your heart. There is a competition to God in your heart. And that deliverance, my friend, is giving. It's painful. We don't like to talk about it as preachers. But it's the truth. I live this. This is not to brag about it. But to let you know that I'm not telling you something, sharing with you something. I don't personally live, experience and grow in as a Christian. And I pray that you would join me to live in this life of prayer, fasting, and giving. If you're ready to pray, give me those prayer emojis right now. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you today for your grace. I thank you most importantly for Jesus Christ, whom you have sent on the cross to die for my sin who became the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you have saved me, rescued me and filled me with the Holy Spirit. And I ask you today for every person that is watching this live, re-watching, listening on the podcast, Lord God, who is, maybe this, this hurts their heart. And I know I've been there, Lord, so many times, where maybe you've been already speaking to them about this. You've been already moving upon their heart, God, and they've been ignoring You. I pray today that they will stop ignoring You. I pray that You would draw us closer to Yourself. I pray that our treasure will be where we want our heart to be, and that is in Your kingdom. I pray that You would draw them, God, to a radical life. I pray that the fire will burn on the altar. I pray that sacrifice will go on the altar. Lord, I pray for my friends. I pray for my... Uh, the, the extended family. Lord, that you will begin to move upon our life to live a radical life for you, to live sacrificial life for you. Lord, not only in fasting, not only in prayer, but also in extravagant giving. God, that we will not bicker and fight over tithing, but that we will go further and give beyond our means. Not just live beyond our means like so many of us do, but give beyond our means. Lord, I pray for people who are struggling financially right now. People for whom this message resonates and they said, yes, I would love to do that but I just can't. I pray that as they make promise, as Jacob did when he had nothing to offer, but he said, when I get something, Lord, I will give tenth of my income to you. Like Hannah did, Lord, if you bless me with the son, I will give him to you. As, as uh, Abraham, Lord, you provided him a sacrifice. I pray for my friends, I pray for my brothers and sisters, God, that you will supply their needs according to your riches and your glory. I pray, Father, for supernatural supply. I pray, Lord God, that you will begin to transition them out of manna to milk and honey. Bring them out of a place of just enough to abundance. Bring them to a place where their cup runs over, where they can gather 12 extra baskets of fragments, God where they can walk into an overflow and abundance, God, so it will fill and help people around them, so they can help the poor, so they can sponsor and advance your kingdom, Lord. I bless them right now. Lord, remove every curse of poverty in Jesus' name. We repent for any sins of stealing, lying, cutting corners, of, or financial sins. We repent of that, Lord God, and we promise not to do that again. We promise to pay back those people we ripped off, God. Forgive us, wash us with your blood. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. I speak blessing over you right now, that you will be blessed as you go in, that you will be blessed as you go out. I speak blessing over your business. I speak blessing right now over your finances. I speak blessing right now over, most importantly, your mind and your heart, that your heart will be attached to God, that you will not be a greedy person, That you will not be a person that is stingy that you will not be a person that is overly frugal but that you will be generous with your family that you'll be generous with your church i speak blessing right now over your finances that you will have more than enough to meet your needs and that you will have enough to share with others that you will become known for your generosity that people around you will be enriched because you are blessed by god that people would want to have your god because of the blessing of god upon your life in Jesus' name. And if you believe in that, drop, I receive and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Race to Deliver podcast. I would like to ask you to drop a review for this podcast and also sign up for weekly updates so you can get in the email a reminder and notes of the upcoming podcasts. As I am streaming now on YouTube and on Facebook every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I would like to invite you to join me for that as well. If God puts on your heart to be a partner of this ministry, you can do so at pastoflad.org slash forward give. Thank you so much. And remember, you will raise to deliver.